Hi, I'm Hannah Bailey. And I'm Tefra Jemian. And this is Yeah. talking about the sister of the traveling pants and the subsequent three books sister. we have feelings <laughs> okay <laughs> you need to stop doing that i don't have to do anything i don't have to do okay i would like yes. it to be on the record that tefra is feeling very silly today um, i think that's already on the record Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so so yeah, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and the following books. Ah, <laughs> uh, Girls in Pants, The Second Summer of the Sisterhood. Um, what's the third one? What's the third one? Um, no, For, no Forever not. in Blue is the fourth one. What's no, the third one? Girls in Pants is the third one. It's it's Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, The Second Summer of the Sisterhood. Girl, no. It's Girls in Pants. Yeah, it's Girls in Pants, then The Second Summer of the Sisterhood, then, then Forever in Blue. The then, third summer, the, yeah. No, and, no. Then girls in pants. Then forever in blue. <laughs> yes. So those books are what we are talking those about books today. By Amber Shares um, are what we're talking about today. So we decided to do the Sisterhood Quartet um, for our first real episode uh, because we feel like it, in a lot of ways, kind of epitomizes the young the. I almost said young A. That's the young A. (laughs) (laughs) The young adult literature genre, um, both in that I think it uh, it encapsulates a lot of things that are great about it, Mm -hmm. and it also uh, represents a lot of the things that are common pitfalls of the Mm -hmm, genre as mm -hmm. well. Um, It also was just like one of the really big young adult series when we were both growing up. Um, and I think that it might it it was certainly like at the forefront of like when like serialized young adult novels started to be uh, a it's one really of the big first. things. Yeah, I mean you have um, yeah. like 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 there were some young adult novels beforehand, but especially serialized ones. But in general, like when young adult as a genre was really like exploding. Yeah, I think. Sister of the Traveling Pants was in there. Yeah. And it's also just a series that both of us love a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I so do think... Anyways. I mean, we have to look up the numbers on that, but I do think it's one of the very first serialized YA novels. Like yeah. You, you have Judy Bloom before, who, mm-hmm. who's kind of the pioneer of the genre, but like... Yeah. I, I, yeah, because I would argue that like Nancy Drew doesn't count. Um, no. And it's <clears throat> more children's literature. And Judy Bloom is also like... On the cusp of children's lit and YA, a little I mean, bit. not like forever. No, or Tiger Eye, or okay, like she she wrote I YA read, books. Okay, I don't know if I've read yeah. some of her YA. I think I'm okay. mostly thinking of like are um, she's Are you there, God? It's she is. Marker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? She, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, 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 Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants is is sort of like modern like one of the pioneers yeah, of it modern kind of like ushered, fiction feels like one of the um, things that ushered in yeah, yeah that may be the princess diaries but like there's yes. there's not much else at that time mm-hmm. um so yeah so so we felt that it was a good note to start on yeah and um, um so we assumed that lots of people would have read it already if you haven't 
they're worth reading they're a lot of fun uh they're not without their problems which we will talk about (laughs) but um but they're a lot of fun yeah (laughs) um they are as comfortable as an old pair of pants (laughs) (laughs) oh so i guess we can start with a real quick synopsis Mm -hmm. if you don't know what they're about so uh the novels follow four girls who are best friends um and they have known each other since they were in the womb (laughs) um and so the first book starts when they are i think they're 15 and they have basically grown up together their whole lives um and the first book starts when (laughs) They are sorry. I'm laughing because Teffer just did something really silly. Um, okay, Teffer's in timeout. Continue. Deep breaths. Um, we're lots of fun to hang out with. I promise. Um, so, so the book starts when the four of them are about to be spending like their first summer apart and they have a lot of anxiety and uncertainty around that uh and so they find this pair of pants that sort of magically fits all of them and they decide to use them as like a way to sort of keep in touch and keep connected to each other over the course of this summer where they're all going to be apart from each other so the one of them is, is it Lena or Lena? I never know. I've always said Lena. Yeah, I've always said Lena, but I think that I'm wrong. So if you're Greek, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> I'm going to go with Lena because that's what I hear the most often. Um, so Lena's visiting her grandparents in Greece. Uh, Bridget is at um, soccer camp in Mexico. Uh, Carmen is spending the summer with her dad. Her parents are divorced in South Carolina and Tibby's staying at home and working at uh, the drugstore. So so anyway, so they use these these magical pants to to keep connected to each other. But really it's a story about kind of their friendships and how they grow together and apart and it's a classic YA coming of age novel, but it's also a story about friendship and it's yeah. And then the the subsequent books kind of carry on that theme and explore how how they navigate their friendship as they mm-hmm. all go off to university and and different things like mm-hmm. that. And there's it also is, yeah. and as they start having relationships and yeah. yeah, it is always in the summers. Yes, and uh, and always through the pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, I mean, one of the things that it, that is special about the Sisterhood of the Traveling mm-hmm. Pants, um, really in the young adult genre, like there aren't, I don't think there are too many series that do this. Uh, they're very much about friendship. They're yes. very much collective. You hear through everybody's voices, everybody's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, there's no one narrator. It's not about somebody and her friends. Yes, it's about, it's really about all four of them yeah. equally. There's no, you couldn't identify one of them as being the main character. Yeah. Um, which is true. That's really rare. Yeah, it's unusual. Um, and it's also unusual that you have books where the main, like the main relationships are friendships. Yeah. Like there are boyfriends that come and go. 
Um, but the books are really about friendship yeah. at their core. Um, and I don't think we have enough young adult novels that spend a lot of time like as their main thing thinking about friendship yeah uh, and i think absolutely. that's one of the really beautiful things about sister of the traveling pants mm-hmm. um that we like a lot yeah yeah it's also one of the things that is that is also special about it is that um you know among books about friendship it isn't about there being one true friendship. You know, these aren't girls who are only mm-hmm. friends with each other. They all have true. secondary relationships. They have mm-hmm. romantic relationships. They have platonic relationships. Yeah, they have familial um, relationships. Arguably, you know, Tibby's central friendship in the first book is with Bailey. Uh, yeah. And not And with, not with the other girls. Yeah. Yep. Um, they... they it is about them as a group of friends, but also about them as individuals. Mm-hmm. And um, and Brochers really, really kind of masterfully does that. Yes. Masterfully follows all four of them um, yeah. in ways that are really intimate and special. And mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that I, that I really love about it is that because she's avoiding having one central character, I find that as a reader, I end up identifying with all four yes um there are always like who are your two (laughs) who are your two that you identify with the most strongly like I think I think my two are probably Lena and Carmen yeah um but like there are times when I super strongly identify with Bridget or super strongly identify with Tibby yeah yeah I uh that's an interesting question I think I definitely I definitely identify with Lena Mm -hmm. um because (laughs) yeah so she's she's an artist i'm an artist um but also the like kind of the shy and i don't really know how to like yeah just not not always feeling comfortable in her own skin Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm um i sometimes identified with bridget because of the height thing Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Lena's tall too, isn't she? I'm mean, sorry. I'm sorry. short. I'm a no. short person. I'm a short person. That was, I, gave, I gave Pepper a look. That was the look that I give when uh, that I give characters when they like talk about being tall, and I'm like, you're not tall. Okay. Um, which is I, I shouldn't invalidate other people's identity. I'm six feet tall, um, and so when people who are like five nine complain about being tall i'm like no false i'm i'm Um, I'm, i say i'm five four i think i'm not and uh so in my head anybody who's over five six is tall (laughs) um uh yeah so i i sometimes identify with bridget um yeah i think i think i also identify with tibby a fair Mm -hmm. bit like Mm -hmm. in also in her She's kind of like trying to figure out her life and also not. she's totally queer. Oh yeah, <laughs> to be not to be so gay. I mean, okay, so like 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 to be clear, to be clear, canonically, canonically all no, of these characters are, are straight, very straight, which um, is one of the big things that we have an issue with. Bleh, like, there's four teenage um, girls. One of them is going to be at least bi. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Um, actually, I really like reading Carmen as queer. Oh, that makes sense too. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I that really, makes sense I really canonically. Like yeah, Carmen is queer. Yeah, um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, because Carmen is Carmen. Also, because Tibby is the easy one to read as queer because, because she's, she's like a little bit goth student. and a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
but I really like reading Carmen is queer. That makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Also, yeah. like, you could definitely code her relationship with Julia as, like, her having had a crush on Julia. Yeah. Now, this is a relationship um, that's in the uh, fourth book, I yes. believe. Um, with an awful person. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> toxic friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, yes, so so one of the drawbacks <laughs> of this book. Yeah, is You know, I think of no it as very queer. white also. Um, yeah. And it is fairly white. Uh, it's pretty white. It's kind of a diverse white experience, though. Like, yeah, and Carmen occasionally and touches on race, but oh, it's Carmen, like I think pretty... Carmen, I think, touches on race a fair bit. So yeah. Carmen is half Puerto Rican mm-hmm. and mostly raised by her Puerto Rican mother. Um, mm-hmm. So she is, she, she, and when she visits her father, who is now remarried to a white woman yeah, in a big in the, suburban in house, the first book, it's has this really big, jarring experience. Yeah. Um, I think she, I think it comes up. I think yeah. it comes up a lot in terms of her body. Yes. Um, yes, it does. And I identified really strongly with Carmen always reading it because I mm-hmm. also, um, I mean, I'm now plus size, but when I was a teenager, I sort of like Carmen was like, I can fit straight sizes, but they don't look the same on me. And <laughs> like, you know, clothes just look different on me than on my friends. And mm-hmm. um, uh I know for me, I mean, I'm I'm white, but I'm Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, and uh, for me, my body type has always been like both explicitly and implicitly tied to race. Um, my mm-hmm. family always said like, "Oh, you take after like the the Mediterranean side of the family," and like, um, I identified really strongly with that experience of kind of feeling like. I'm white, but I'm not totally white, which Carmen is not white at all. Um, mm-hmm. But like the body image being kind of something that slams at home and slams at home. Yeah. Um, and that's something that comes up again in the uh, in the sequel yeah, book, which we can't talk about because it's not young adult. At some point. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's a book that Anne Brashares wrote that is about them as adults. Mm-hmm. And one of the things it's that comes really up good. a lot is Carmen being cast as white characters, Carmen having to be very thin to continue passing yeah. as a white character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's not totally fair to say that it's like a whitewashed book because I, I do yeah. think that Carmen, uh, I mean, obviously Anne Brashares is white. She mm-hmm. is writing Carmen as a as a white author. She yes. she doesn't get it completely. I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely something that comes up in Carmen's it, narrative. It comes up in Carmen's narrative, feeling mm-hmm. too big, feeling too loud. Again, like, yeah. I feel strongly about this because these are things that I have felt often and that have yeah. often been attributed to being Middle Eastern, to being Mediterranean for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lena is the the child of Greek immigrants, so mm-hmm. she's she's white, but. Again, like, feels sort of awkward in that. Yeah. Um, in terms of just not having the same family culture, mm-hmm. uh, being a second-generation immigrant. Um, yeah. And, uh, but then, you know, Tibby and, Tibby and Bridget mm-hmm. are pretty classically white. Yeah, and um, there, there are some secondary characters of color, but there's not a ton. Who are the, sec- <laughs> who are the secondary? I don't... Uh, Bridget's, Eric. Bridget's friend yeah. Diana. Um, oh, but she's like a tertiary character. Yeah, she, <laughs> like, she comes back in other books. Yeah, she, I'd say she's Bridget's major friendship, apart from the uh, okay, apart from the sisterhood. She she's not a major character. Yeah, she doesn't have plot lines, but she's she doesn't there. have plot lines. But she like she's a recurring character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, Eric, Eric, he's Mexican American. Um, although he's whitewashed in the movies. 
Of course, he's whitewashed in the movies. Um, which is frustrating. I've forgotten. I haven't seen those movies in years. He's a white guy. Yeah, he's a white guy in the no. movies. Yeah, he's Come a blonde on. white guy in the movies. Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. We need more sexy Latino guys on TV. Yeah, he's some a, he's of a us white need guy. that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, he's a, he's a white guy in the movies, but yeah, he's he is Latino in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. The boy that uh, Lena has the fling with in the third or fourth book, Leo. Leo is, Leo black. is black. That's right. Yeah, Leo's black. Um, okay, so there are like there, there are there, there are some there like, are some. There's not a lot. It's a pretty a white book. It's a very white book. Um, to be fair, it is like a suburb of DC. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually don't know that. I don't know that the suburbs of DC are white. Yeah, I don't. I have. No I don't idea. know that. I'm, no I'm, I'm just. I'm I just, have never lived I'm just in America. Saying that. I've never been to DC. Nothing about. Yeah. There, I'm sure. I mean, I think they're in Virginia or West Virginia. Yeah, but I, I don't know. So. I don't know this. I don't know this. Talk to somebody no, who knows this. They're in Maryland, don't aren't they? Are they in Maryland? I think so. Yeah, Bethesda, Maryland. Yes. Final answer. Okay. Well, then, yeah, that's not an excuse. <laughs> okay. Um. So that's one of the problems is just kind of lack of diversity. Yeah. Uh. Um. It is a very heteronormative book. Yeah, there's no queer people do not exist. There in this are no world. queer characters whatsoever. Um, yeah, there's no even like people, gay people might exist. That might be a thing. I don't think that's no. ever never no never. Tibby doesn't even meet a gay friend at film school. No, Lena doesn't meet a gay friend at art school. Yeah, I think there's oh in the fourth book there's like she wonders if Leo might be gay. That's like the only mention of the fact that gay people are a thing. When does she mention? Uh, I haven't read. I need to read when she has book. a crush on him, but she he's doesn't so know if he would be interested sexy. in her. Um, because of course he's he's a handsome art boy, so he's probably gay. You know that's fair. I mean, it is a it is a <laughs> it is a reasonably <laughs> fair stereotype. <laughs> um. Um, I I went to an arts high school, and uh, I always said, and it was not wrong, that uh, my school was like three quarters girls, um, but only one eighth straight boys. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we could talk about toxic um, masculinity on the show. Yes, but let's keep talking about sisterhood of the let's traveling keep pants. Talking about sisterhood of the traveling pants for now. Uh, gotta say, actually, pretty yeah. diverse, well-rounded male characters, though. Yeah. Yeah, thinking yeah. about it, like t- not really toxic masculinity, not really no, white white not a knights. Lot of that. Um, uh, pretty no. much mensch, like good good dudes. Yeah, there's no like the horrible dudes really. So that's unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, okay, we have to talk about. I have serious issues with early books, Eric. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Okay. Yes. Hannah has serious yes. issues with early books. Eric. I mean, I think Teffer also has those issues. Um, so Hannah, um, give us a quick overview of who Eric is because we've been just kind of referring to him. Yes. Okay. So Eric is Bridget's boyfriend. Um, I mean, and ends the series as Bridget's boyfriend. Yeah, he's not her boyfriend in the first book. No. So, um, so Bridget, as we mentioned, goes to soccer camp. Um, it's an all-girls soccer camp, and one of the coaches is Eric. He is... I don't know if we have a firm read on his age in the first book. I think he's 18 or 19. 
He's yeah, eighteen, I think. Yeah. Um I think that's how she justifies it. Yeah. Um and Bridget is fifteen. Uh and so she develops a crush on him as fifteen year old girls I want to do. Um and she is vivacious and all those other things. And so he develops feelings for her as well and she pursues him pretty relentlessly. Um, but he does not do what he should do, which is say, nope. Um, and slash tell a supervisor slash have any kind of accountability. Yeah. None of those things happen. Um, he like half heartedly tries to at the beginning, but it's very half hearted. Um, and so they end up sleeping together. Um, and then after the fact, he's like, I should not have done that. And uh, then, like, ends it with her um, and, like, tries to do it in a chivalrous way. But it's just, it's not well handled. Chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then that whole experience really sends Bridget for a loop, which lasts into the second book. Um, and then in the third book, they, I think it's in the third book, Yes. Um. Yeah, he also justifies it a little bit by she lies about her age. She says she's sixteen. Um, and so afterwards he finds out that she was fifteen. Yeah, I guess technically, um, according to the laws, I mean it's still totally, totally not okay because he is her coach. Because but he's in a I position guess of authority legally in a lot of states, sixteen-year-olds and eighteen-year-olds can have sex. Yeah, I know in Canada that's illegal. Yeah. Um. Um. So in the third book, they meet again. Uh, when they're both working at a different soccer camp and they sort of develop a friendship mm-hmm. um and then and then they eventually start a relationship yeah. um and that that's a it, it's actually a very nice arc mm-hmm. um and then and then they're they're together in the fourth book and other things happen in the fourth book but i'm not terribly yeah. interested in that for this discussion um but i mean <laughs> so there's two things going on here one the portrayal of summer camps in this book had me tearing my hair out as a summer <laughs> camping professional. <laughs> I'm like, what the fucking hell? <laughs> None of this can, is okay. Can you elaborate on this, Hannah? <laughs> For those of us who aren't summer camping professionals and maybe only ever went to church camp and maybe had kind of rosy ideas of what not church camp was like. There's just maybe. like no supervision happening at these camps. No, it's because um, they're not christians right (laughs) i mean to be fair i've only ever worked at christian camps but i'm like pretty sure you still have to have counselors in cabins even if you're not a christian camp um Uh, to to be clear hannah worked at a very different kind of christian camp than the kind of than the kind of christian camp that many of you are probably assuming i I went to the kind that many of you are assuming yeah i worked (laughs) at the kind where the director has a rainbow flag sticker in her office window um and it's not without its problems, but it's a pretty good place. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, yes, supervision. So there's, there's like, no supervision. There's, like, zero accountability for the coaches. The girls can just, like, steal bikes and go into town to the bar. And the counselors are there and, and don't the go, what the fuck are, are you there? doing? Go back to your cabin. And yeah. who's supervising them at the camp? Yeah. And and even in the one that they work at, I forget, but there were also, I was like, like, who's supervising these children at other times? And, like, mm-hmm. 
who sleeps in the cabins and it was just to be fair in that one there's a, a good situation where a camper has a crush on Bridget and she handles it very and well and she handles it very well because you know we don't think about 18 year old women having sex with 15 year old boys but we, we do think it's okay for 18 year old men to have sex with 15 year old girls yeah um, and that's okay mm-hmm. That's not okay. Not okay. For anybody who's listening to that and, and didn't understand that that was sarcasm, that's really not okay. That's not okay. And so going back to Eric, so the thing that really bothers me is that, um, like, they really explore well, like, the impact that this had on Bridget, but I don't think, like, I think they let Eric off the hook yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, because... Not only was, like, the age difference thing not okay, but, like, he was in a position of power. Mm-hmm. Um, so not okay for him to yeah. have done that. Um, Much I, more I don't not care. Okay. I don't care if you were horny for her. Like, you, you should not be working with youth if you can't yeah. fucking control yourself Yeah. Um, around hot girls. Like, yeah. it does not matter. She is your camper. She is not someone who you can be romantically involved oh, with. Also, like, I have, I don't know, I have a 15-year-old in my life yeah. uh, who is, who is like, family to me. Mm-hmm. She looks like a child. She yeah. she looks like a teenager. She looks like a, a lovely, you know, mature, looking mm-hmm. like a teenager. But, like, you don't look at a 15-year-old and, and think, say, like, oh, yeah, that's some. an adult. Like, you, you, yeah. you, you don't. You don't. Yeah. There's a clear difference. There's a clear change. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I have a big problem with that. I also have a problem with how I think the... I don't love that the books let Bridget continue to feel like she was responsible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I have a real problem with how much responsibility... Bridget takes a lot of responsibility on herself for the whole thing. And Eric, like, half-heartedly tries to not let her do that. But, like, it's very half-hearted. And it's, like, one conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's done. Um, And then Eric gets to be, like, the good guy in the books for the rest of the series. And then Eric gets to come back and be the good guy. And it's never spoken of again. Bridget's one true love. And the problem was that he dumped her. Not that he initiated things in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And it's, yeah, it's just very, like, yeah, and she, like, she gets to, or she has to continue feeling like, like, it was her fault for pursuing him Mm -hmm. and whatever. It's like, no, it was entirely his fault for not shutting it down. He was in a position of authority. It was his responsibility to make sure nothing happened. It was not your responsibility as a 15-year-old girl with a crush to make sure nothing Mm -hmm. happened. It was his responsibility. And, like, let's be totally clear, that was statutory rape. Yes. Their relationship begins with statutory rape. Yes. And I don't think the books deal with that in a good way. Like, I love Eric's character later, but I'm really uncomfortable with how their relationship starts especially because it would have been so so easy, easy to, to make, make him, him a different person. two different characters bridget had a shitty experience at summer camp yeah. uh she's going back to coach soccer camp she's meets having a, all the baggage boy. that comes up with that and she meets a guy who she can talk to about it yeah and who can say wow that was shitty i would never do that yeah these are children 
you know, like like it it would be so. It would have been so easy. To it do also that. makes me realize how much things have changed in the last fifteen years. Yeah, because you probably couldn't write this story. No, that now. would not fly now. Thank God it thank, wouldn't fly now. Thank goodness. Um, but I do know, like, as a teenager who had lots and lots of inappropriate crushes on older men. Yeah. Uh, it didn't put the right expectations in my head. It didn't yeah. like. No, it makes yeah. it sound like it was her responsibility to not pursue him. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. it's no. No. no, no, not on her, not, not on all. her, not at all on him. Um, um, because fifteen-year-olds are gonna flirt with people they shouldn't flirt with. Yeah, they're gonna do it. I hate to break it to you, those of us who have children, but it is true. They're gonna do it. <laughs> um, and it is up for the up to the people who are in the positions of authority that they're flirting with to keep it the fuck in their pants mm-hmm. and say nope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So so I have yeah, I have a big problem with with that. I think that I think that it's a really great story to tell. Yeah. Um but I don't love that Eric gets redeemed with no work on his part. Yeah. Um I do want to go into since we're talking about Bridget, but yeah. I'd like to see again to sort of how mental health is dealt with in the books. Yes. Um Bridget is somebody who is who has just had a rough 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 life she's had a tough go of it um and i I mean her mother committed suicide when she was 10 yeah her father kind of checked out completely emotionally her brother is extremely depressed Mm -hmm. um and she's and she's really kind of on her own yeah and uh i i feel as though her crushes on older men which happens also in the third or fourth book when she's in turkey yes on an archaeological day yeah it's the fourth one i feel like that's supposed to be a nod at her having daddy issues yeah um and i just feel like that's such an unfair dig at her yes like on the one hand i was very much the kind of teenager and young person who Mm -hmm. sought that kind of approval um Mm -hmm. and and who had crushes on inappropriately older people because it made me feel Mm -hmm. um because i sought approval (laughs) and and that is real and i don't think you have to not show that Mm -hmm. but i i often feel that bridget is kind of like unfairly portrayed as the one from a broken home and like yeah she gets a lot of shit for that and like you said like she She gets a lot of shit in general she ends up taking a lot of responsibility for stuff that she shouldn't have to yeah um, like for her brother's mental health for for yeah um she is often portrayed as being like rash and like and impulsive and, and flighty but it's i mean it really is just that she she, she has a lot of trauma. She, she has to make her own decisions nobody's yeah. telling her what to do nobody's helping her no one's really taking care um, of her other than her friends she makes good decisions she does she makes like, pretty solid choices she's a star soccer player she is energetic she likes to move a lot she likes to do Mm -hmm. a lot but like when you look at that she's often Mm -hmm. contrasted to lena who is seen Mm -hmm. i just did that like halfway between lena and lena to be on the safe side (laughs) lena who is who is really held up as being like the responsible mature one um but it's easy for lena because she has parents who are taking responsibility she doesn't Mm -hmm. have to take those kinds of risks and lena also like is just massively repressed and does not yeah. own up to her own feelings. Yeah, ever. Lena 
Lena gets, I think, credit for being responsible because she doesn't take risks. Yeah. Uh, I, until later in the series. Um, yeah. But yeah. even in, later in the series, they're always calculated risks. They're always calculated risks, and they're always pretty safe risks. Yeah. And she always has, like, safety nets. Cause, well, because she has a lot of safety nets. Because she she's has wealthy. A lot of safety she nets. has two yeah. parents. Like, she's beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. She's talented. Yeah. Uh, which, obviously, Bridget is, is also talented. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's very... It's interesting to look at the different characters and see how different behaviors are coded and judged. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carmen is uh, is kind of coded as irresponsible, but it's cute. Yes. Um, um, it's also I'm just thinking of this now. It's interesting how we see stereotypes playing a little bit into mm-hmm. how I mean, Bridget's the flighty, irresponsible one. She's blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, Carmen is the one who can't control her temper, and she's Latina. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, so it isn't just another thing to note. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Lena being the dutiful daughter of immigrants. Yeah. Although, as the daughter of an immigrant, not all of that is made up. Some of that is cultural. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Some of that absolutely. is pressure that is yeah. put on you. Yeah. Topics of High Importance, a podcast where we get high and explore food, science, gaming, pop culture, and beyond. Filled with super tangents, forgetful flubs, and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple. Topics of High Importance on the Upford Network. Join us, won't you? I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the UpFord Network. Every week, we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher. Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so for God's sake, let's talk about some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Let's find some good stuff. One of the things that we really loved um, is, in general, I think we liked a lot of things about how romantic relationships play out in the books. Yes. Um, Eric aside. Uh, so one of the things that I really liked about the books is that, I mean, so there is a side the fact that three of the protagonists meet the men that end up being like their soulmates forever um, in the first book, which is boring. Uh, True. <laughs> it's boring that they're all men, for one thing. Yes, it's very boring that they're all men. Um and also, like, just, no, you don't meet your soulmate at 15. Yeah. Probably. Definitely H- Hannah, not. we're talking about positive things. Three quarters Hannah. of people. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have feelings. We do really love this book. We really like <laughs> these this book books, a lot. Yeah. We just like to tear apart things that we like sometimes. Um, okay. Things that we really like. One of the things that I love um, about the series is that, <laughs> in terms of relationships, is that often, like, the boat one of the books will end with like hints that 
like a relationship is going to happen between one of the girls and another male character. Um, like it happens with Carmen and Wynne at the end of a mm-hmm. book. It happens with Lena and Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens with Bridget and uh, what's the name of the cute soccer boy? Billy. Billy. Um, and then at the beginning of the next book, it's just like, nope, that fizzles out. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went on a couple dates and then like lost touch, whatever. Yeah. And they're just like, that's that's how teenage relationships I, work. I adore adore the scene where Carmen is going on a date with Porter on a first date with Porter (laughs) and it is so awkward and she treats him like crap through the whole thing because she is so preoccupied with doing things right with like the idea of dating yes she's so preoccupied with like what do I order on a date how do I eat on On a a date date. what do I say (laughs) on a date date. and at the end of the night he's like Carmen like do you want to date me and she's like yes Yes. even though like you know she doesn't because she's gay um (laughs) she's like of course you are a pretty human person who I would like to date and he's like because you paid no attention to me all evening and didn't talk to me yeah so like I don't know maybe figure that out and I just love that so much because it's so relatable to be like this is somebody I should like so therefore yeah that was my first two major relationships yeah yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, both of those boys. <laughs> they're not listening to this, but if they are, same. <laughs> um, uh, for me, it was always just that I, I had a crush on somebody else, and I thought they were unattainable. Mm. And somebody would be like, "Why don't we date?" And I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, okay, sure." Yeah, passes the time. <laughs> the thing that I love, the quote that I love about the Porter and Carmen thing, mm-hmm. is at the end of the book. She, like, sort of realizes how terrible she's been. And she's like, I didn't, I don't think I realized that you were a person. And he's like, what did you think that I was? And she's like, I don't know, a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, and she spends, like, a large part of the date being like, does he have short legs? If we have children, will they have short legs? I have short legs. What if he has short legs? And it's just like. It's brilliant. Oh, it's so uh, good. If there are any teenagers listening to this, if you go on a date with somebody and that is what is running through your head, you shouldn't be dating. Don't them. don't date them. Like no. don't go you, on another. You date don't actually them. like this person. <laughs> no. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if there are any adults listening who have the same experience, you don't say, actually like say, this same person. advice. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean the other thing I like, like yes, there's problems with. Um, people finding their forever soulmate at 15 at the same time we could say this is fiction there's an element of fantasy yes we can imagine this happening um the thing Mm -hmm. that i do like is none of the relationships are consistent and all of them start as friendships yes yeah that is really Uh, if we if we just pretend that eric in book one is a different person yeah, we can just we can just pretend yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. a new head um, um I I love Lena and Costas as a couple. Yes, and me they too. are not together at the end That's of the series. That's true; they're not together at the end of this series. Yeah, they're they're sort of definitely built up as the forever couple. But they, um, but they have terrible communication. Oh yeah, neither of them can communicate. They live on different shit. sides of the ocean. <laughs> And uh, and they have a really wonderful conversation at one point where Lena is just like, I don't want to give up what I have to give up mm-hmm. to be with you. And I don't want you to have to give up what you have, what to, you give have to give up yeah. to be with me. Um, and and yeah. Lena does. Like, they do put their careers first. They do put mm-hmm. putting their um, 
adult lives in order first and when we see Luna again at the beginning of uh, what's the fourth um, book called Sisterhood Everlasting Sisterhood Everlasting she is dating somebody else and yep. she's been in a in a long-term relationship with somebody with else person, yeah. um there's yeah there's just there there's a good dose of reality there's a good dose of yeah maturity. things are complicated um yeah uh, I mean, Tibby and Brian obviously like Tibby breaks up with Brian ten million times. Yes, um, <laughs> and like yeah, um, and they have to forgive Bridget and Eric. Too. Obviously, is, is a whole thing, and it's they're friends, thing. and yeah. yeah. Um, um, and I do think there's something. I mean, I think it is a more believable story where you are friends for a long time and then you fall in love with a childhood friend. Yeah. Than the narrative where you get together at fifteen and stay together forever. Yes. Yeah. And they don't really. They don't do that. So no. That's, no. That's nobody good. does that. Nobody does that. Um. I also really appreciate how in the first book, uh, there's just a lot of growth. There's a lot of growth from not knowing yourself, not knowing what you want. Yes. To having a much clearer picture of what you want. Which is great. And, you know, I, I, I was kind of maligning Lena earlier as somebody mm-hmm. who can't take risks, but uh, she goes to art school. Yeah, which and, is a huge and risk. And her parents cut her off financially, mm-hmm. and uh, it's huge risk. That's mm-hmm. a huge thing. That's her, her putting all of her safety nets at risk. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's her big sort of moment of like, no, I'm going to do... Yeah. What is important to me. Yeah. That was um, really like important to me because I did not go to art school because I did not want to risk putting my mm-hmm. safety nets at risk and now ten years later, uh I I think I made the wrong choice. Um yeah. you know, I somehow convinced myself it would be more practical to do a degree I was not interested in mm-hmm. and then surprise it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm still interested in Sing. doing the same thing that I wanted to do at 18 yeah um so Mm -hmm. you know there's there's yeah there's a lot there Mm -hmm. can we jump back to the relationships thing because there was another bit that I that I forgot that I wanted to touch on and now Mm -hmm. I remember uh the other thing that I really like is that so three of and this this in itself is something that I like and then I'm gonna touch on the next bit Three of the four girls have their um, their first times having sex over the course of the four books. Yeah. Um, and so for one thing, I like that not all of them do. Yeah. Um, uh, I also think that it's really interesting that Carmen is the one who doesn't. Yeah. Because she's gay. Um, <laughs> but but actually, but because it does go against some stereotypes. It goes against about stereotypes. Yeah. And it also goes against kind of like she is from the beginning the one who is the most interested in dating the one who's the most interested in boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it's like an anthropological, like, she's study because it's like her. what she's supposed to she's do. She's interested in people. Yeah, that's also <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that it's her mm-hmm. um, and that it's not Lena because Lena's the one who you would expect she's to be a virgin until 30. And yeah. um, so I like that they all have very different first experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the one that I especially love is um, I think the 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 most uncomplicated one is is Lena, mm-hmm. which is she has like essentially a one night stand, not not exactly, but like close to a one night stand, um, 
and is just like, yep, this is great. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Glad that I did that. It's not with her like one true love. It's no. not like she waited and saved herself. It's that she waits until she is comfortable She's enough ready. with herself. And, and then, then she has sex with the person who's convenient. Yeah, and with like, like a cute boy that she likes. But she's like, yeah, this isn't going to go anywhere. But like this was good. Yeah. yeah. And that's a that's a really great. And it's, you're right. That's a really great. It's a really great narrative. Yeah. I really, really liked that as a narrative. Mm-hmm. Especially in juxtaposition as like the other two narratives of first times are pretty fraught. Yeah. Well, um, there's a lot to be said about waiting until you're comfortable and confident enough yeah. with your body. And I mean, I think yeah. that the two fraught narratives are really important. Mm-hmm. But I love that the one that's not fraught is the casual sex narrative. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because because I think that we do a lot of like vilifying casual sex and mm-hmm. like talking about how it's unhealthy and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, no, that was the best choice for her. Yeah. And she's also like... I think we often think about teenage girls who have casual sex as, like, looking for attention in all the wrong places, da 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 Yeah. Uh, she's very much the one who, like, doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, like you'd kind of expect, uh, I don't know, Bridget to be the one who's, like, fucking lots of randos. Mm-hmm. And Bridget doesn't. Nope. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Yeah, the, the uh, interactions with sexuality are really Really good. good. Um, and Tibby kind of just feeling like she should have sex because they are together. Yeah. And then just panicking about being pregnant for like six months and then being like, we can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Is very realistic. Super realistic. Yeah. I love that there's a pregnancy yeah. scare because like, and a pregnancy scare that's like not an actual pregnancy scare, yeah. but just a like, I had sex, so I'm probably pregnant now. Oh, I mean, I did not have sex in high school, but if yeah. I had... Like, that would have been... I mean, as an adult, that's me. Like... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that that's great. Uh, so, yeah, I just really like, like, the diversity of how mm-hmm. how those experiences are portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, Lena's, Lena's narrative there. But... Um, yeah. And then I think just in general, like, there's... The books do touch on a lot of really important coming of age topics yes um which is i mean isn't that what we read young adult lit for <laughs> it is it is but uh yeah but i guess i mean like one of the beautiful things about about the fact that there are four characters and there's four books is like it hits most of the major ones this series yeah. um i mean except for queerness yeah <laughs> Come on and write us a queer Carmen sequel. We just want someone to be gay. We just want Carmen to be gay. Specifically Carmen. <laughs> anyway. Um, but so so the series deals with toxic friendships. Mm-hmm. It deals with um, fraught family relationships. Mm-hmm. Deals with mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, deals with pregnancy scares, deals with... Body image. Body image, mm-hmm. deals with grief. Figuring out what you want to do. I love that with Carmen, yeah. that doesn't happen until the fourth book. Yeah, She has no idea what she's interested in until she's graduated yeah. from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really special. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't talk about, but it does also touch on the lens of adult friendship. Yes. And and the the girls looking at their mother's friendship yes. and seeing how it sort of fell apart and feeling very strongly. I think that they have to not let that happen. Mhm. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the work that they I mean, put in. There's grief. There's people dealing with loss. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot of there's really a good. Lot there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like healthy versus unhealthy friendships. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's, there's just a lot in general. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think if there's, there's bits that we if there are bits that we missed (laughs) hit us up on twitter yeah (laughs) we will absolutely engage with you on twitter about this yes we would love to chat (laughs) um oh one thing that we wanted to talk about is we had we had bookmarked a few quotes that we really liked um Mm -hmm. that were that were things that that i Mm -hmm. do we want to end with with talking about those um sure yeah or not? We don't have to. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, I, uh, I paused. I was finding my quotes. Um, so, so these were just like there are a lot of good sound bites in these books. Mm-hmm. Um, so one that I just remember reading and being like, oh my goodness, yes. When I read, I was probably around seventeen or eighteen when I first read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, so this is in the third one, I think. Um, the quote is. Lena loved her mother and depended on her mother, and every single word her mother said annoyed her. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> Mrs. Bailey. <laughs> I love you, Mom. Um, but that it spoke to me deeply at that yeah. time in my life. Um, yeah. And I think it speaks to a lot of teenagers' relationships with their yes. parents, um, where you, you care deeply about your parents, you depend on them for everything, you love them, but you're in a where you just like don't want to listen to them talk ever Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and just like (laughs) i remember reading that and being like "Uh Mm -hmm. uh-huh to be fair i think my four-year-old is already in that stage (laughs) (laughs) your four-year-old is like basically a tiny teenager my four-year-old is constantly going stop saying things (laughs) stop talking hat me Your four-year-old has so much attitude. My four-year-old has been 13 for two years. Yes. <laughs> <is> accurate. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the ones that really spoke to me, which I, I meant to actually mention mm-hmm. earlier, I've talked about uh, Carmen being really dear to my heart because of the yeah. body image stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, this quote, it's actually at the beginning of the first book. And uh, mm-hmm. it was the first time I had heard my inner monologue in a book because <laughs> um, yeah. all my sisters are very thin and uh, that was really challenging I mean it's still challenging honestly sometimes mm-hmm. but like it was very challenging as a teenager who had never heard of body positivity or mm-hmm. adipositivity mm-hmm. um, <laughs> suddenly Carmen was afraid mm-hmm. that the pants which hugged each of her friends bodies with loving grace would not fit over her upper thighs this is when they're trying on the jeans that are the pants that yes. bind them together. And there's just this moment of feeling like, what if I'm not included in this? What if I don't yeah. get to be part of this love? What if I don't get to be part of this grace? Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, that, that, that speaks very powerfully to the experience of being a larger bodied person in this world. Um, yeah. And maybe we can just like go out on... On the nice one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, oh, yeah. 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 Um, I can read it. Yeah. Um, so this this one's... I think this is kind of the thesis of the yeah. books. Yeah. Um, you know what the secret is? It's so simple. We love each other. We're nice to one another. Do you know how rare that is? 
I think it's we love each other. We're yeah. nice to each other. Yeah. yeah. And that I think is like the core of what makes these books even with all their pa- problematic factors mm-hmm. really worth it is because when it comes back to yeah. it it's about being nice to each other yeah and liking each other mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's you know being there for each other that's the important things in life it is it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah these are good books we like them we like them despite the fact that we spent most of this episode tearing them (laughs) apart we really do like them i I think a lot of the time when we come back to books that we really love it's gonna be a lot of going this is oh shit this is this is also fuck i love this book but like oh crap (laughs) yeah you need to i think part of loving something is holding it to account yeah um and there are a lot of things as my child does me (laughs) needs to be held to account about yeah um, which actually reminds me real quick. I'm, I'm cheating because I don't have it written in front of me. But there's another quote that has always stuck with me about friendship in this book where I forget who it is, but I think it's maybe Tibby, uh, like has a conversation on the phone with one of the other girls and then hangs up and she says or thinks she knew that a worse friend probably would have made her feel better. Mm-hmm. Um... And I really like that mm-hmm. because it said something powerful about how being a good friend isn't always easy and it's not always about saying the things yeah. that the other person wants to hear. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the beautiful things about the friendships in this book is they hold each other accountable. Yeah. Um, and they're really trying to help each other be good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really beautiful too. Yep. Thanks for listening to Yeah. In the next episode, we'll be talking about The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at yapodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at yapodcast. You can follow us on Twitter at yapodcast uh, or individually, I'm at tefferbear and Hannah is at thebalesosaurus. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend who loves books as much as we do. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com.